Welcome to Everything Leftover, our podcast on HBO's The Leftovers. My name is Justin Blizzard, and I'm here with Keith Krepko. It is 1.30 in the morning on Thanksgiving Day. Uh, The perfect time to be talking about (laughs) leftovers, if you ask me. And Justin is... (laughs) I'm getting over... A sickness. He would have been diagnosed with consumption 150 years ago. Eating a donut. (laughs) And we are, um, we're gonna do try something different this week. We're not gonna talk about the leftovers. Instead, we're going to talk about this hour-long. Um, I believe it was like an eight-year-old's writing prompt that they brought home from school. (laughs) Is that what we watched for an hour? Instead of the leftovers? Uh, it was an undergrad creative writing assignment that uh, Damon <laughs> oh, okay. Lindelof, I think, had been sitting on uh-huh. for the last few decades. Yeah. So we're going to talk about International Assassin, Assassin the uh, eighth episode of the second season of the HBO show, The Leftovers. Um, I'll let the... Defense, go first. (laughs) I almost feel like, you know, for anyone listening, they can kind of, it's almost like like a Mad Libs game at this point. You kind of know the general sense of what we're going to say. Sure. Just plug in your own words to kind of figure out, um, or maybe just use our common words, maybe. Um, All right, so I'm going to say... I I guess we should just jump right into it, right? Yeah. I mean, this is probably just going to be a conversation about more about the structure of this episode than the mm-hmm. content of the episode. Mm-hmm. Um, especially well, because the content was gibberish. Well, well, especially because the content doesn't really progress story forward so much as it's supposed to progress character forward a little bit or deepen. I mean, character. does it? It doesn't say anything about Kevin's character. Yeah, yeah. Well, I mean, okay, that that's the issue. So w- what I'll say is this. Um, I appreciate the ambition of the episode. Uh, I like what they tried to do. Having mm-hmm. said that, I will concede. Um, so wait, am I the defense or the prosecutor? I'm the defense, right? I don't know. <laughs> Who knows? I don't know what any of those words mean. Right. Uh, I will concede that this falls into some of the traps that Damon Lindelof has exp- has shown in his previous writing. So if you look at Lost, if you look even at Tomorrowland, which I just saw recently. Did he write that? Yes. Oh, really? Yes. I didn't know that. Right. Um. Along with Brad Bird, but um, sure, yeah, but yeah. If you look at what he what he writes, a lot of it is, and and I used to listen to the Lost podcast with him. Lost, I, the Lost podcast was awesome. Yes, I think with him th- and Carlton Cuse. Yes, I think that he's witty. I think he's funny. Um, yeah, yeah, he's a smart guy. Having said that, I feel like he writes. I feel like he writes down, almost like he writes down to an audience thinking, I know these connections, they're not going to know these connections. Mm -hmm. So 
I need to name this guy Virgil. Hint, hint, wink, wink. You know, mm-hmm. I need to have them not drink the water. Greek mythology, guys, look it up. You right. know, and everything. It's it's like the opening of season one of the leftovers. It's the Sistine Chapel rendition of all these other characters and and situations that you wouldn't expect to be in a painting like that or whatever. It, it, to me, it just feels kind of sophomoric. It feels like a college student's idea of uh, reference, I guess. Mm-hmm. I, 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 Alliteration. It, it, it is a. It is that. It feels like a reference instead of feeling like symbology or a metaphor. It just feels like a reference. You, you know what I'm saying? Yes. It feels it, there's no substance to it. That's my biggest problem, and that's been my problem throughout throughout the season. There's there isn't any substance to these things. They're they're interesting ideas that have nothing behind them. I I I'm 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 perfectly fine with the idea that maybe the this is just supposed to literally be Greek mythology, right? If that was the If that was the point, then so be it. It's not my cup of tea, but even then, it—I mean—it's obviously not literally Greek mythology because it's taking place in modern times. It's in a hotel, but then you have these very direct uh, tie-ins to the mythology, right? That you mentioned before, but it's also not clever enough to be a metaphor or to be even like hidden in the slightest sense. You know what I mean? Mm-hmm. Like you said, like it's a river in Greek mythology that leith. you leith that you don't drink from. You don't drink the water from. Well, well no, you do to forget. Right. 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 So you kind of accept your right. place in the afterlife. So instead of, I mean, it, it, instead of it, instead of it, instead of there being a, a sort of like a substitution taking place, where it's like, hey, don't uh, don't uh, eat the chocolate, right? Don't they put chocolate on all the pillows? Don't eat that, right? <laughs> it's it is a literally, hey, don't drink the water, water because you'll forget everything. <laughs> and it, not only is the is, and this is a separate a separate point. Virgil, the guy who was. So committed to getting Kevin through this that he blows his own brains out. Can't go an hour with taking without taking a drink of water after specifically telling Kevin, "Don't drink the water." Sixty minutes later, this guy is so doggone thirsty that Justin, he's drunk the water. You've clearly never committed suicide to <laughs> walk somebody through the stages of the afterlife. <laughs> sure. It's very hard to not drink the water. But I did I did think and look, I'm gonna make my my point that I make every week again and say it does fit with the theme of again, here's a guy who's trying to bring about his own redemption and he can't do it. He can't do it. As much as he wants to do it, Kevin or Virgil? Virgil. Uh-huh. That that Virgil wants to help Kevin. Sure. 
he can't do it. Mm-hmm. So again, it kind of to me it still ties back to that broader theme that I've been seeing <clears throat> in almost every episode. But I agree with you. It 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 almost I almost kind of want to be like, is this intentionally funny and it, or unintentionally and it funny? Feels I'll, I'll I'll concede that point because it's throughout the series. But in the moment and in the context of that episode alone, it feels more like lazy storytelling. It feels more like a very easy way to add this, you know, oh shit moment to the episode than it does. This is a character who's been struggling with redeeming himself. Part of that is probably because we've only seen him for about five minutes. Mm-hmm. Um. So, so, so to me, it reads more as just here's another twist. You know what I mean? Yeah, yeah. I mean, uh, so I guess, I guess, what what I kept thinking about was all the other times I've seen this play out in different film stories. Um, and on the one hand, you have somebody like David Lynch. Have you seen Eras- Eraserhead? Mm-hmm. I saw it a really long, long time, time ago. Yeah, Eraserhead taps into some kind of shared unconsciousness. I don't get it. Mm-hmm. That movie freaks me out though, <laughs> and it does connect with me. But it is deeply personal of David Lynch's whatever, what he's been through, what he's thinking, his his the way his mind works it's yeah. an insight and it works really really well on that and it doesn't feel kind of closed off so when you have a little lady in a radiator that idea gets in your brain and all of a sudden that idea of a lady being in a radiator is part of now your subconscious mm-hmm. you know um so you you have some artists that can work on that level. And obviously, you know, in, in we watched on season two of True Detective where they tried to do a little like, you know, this character's in an in-between state and oh, there's right. a weird with the lounge, lounge singer, singer. Mm-hmm. and trying to hint at something Lynchian. So some people will try and go that way. And I thought that was a pale comparison of, of what Lynch can do. But then you have the other ones where what we're going to do is make more direct connections, but we're going to do it in a, in a witty way. <clears throat> so anything from inside out, um, a lot of people compared this to the episode, the Sopranos where Tony Soprano was, uh, in a coma. Uh-huh. Um, but you have these kind of like, Ooh, we're going to the subconscious. Now look at all these connections and things that maybe Kevin's been thinking or feeling you know, are now represented in these different areas. And to me that came out with like where it was like adorn yourself, know yourself and then adorn yourself accordingly. Mm -hmm. When you saw the outfits, it did feel very binary. It did feel very limited to the scope and the imagination of Damon Lindelof or of this show or of this character. It didn't from there. It was setting the boundaries to be, Hey, we're going to do a have a spy kind of right. riff on top of all this isn't that crazy, right? right? And it just to me felt 
uh, it felt too kind of obvious. It's weird for weird sake. It's yeah, which is what Damon Lindelof does a no, lot. I, I don't yes, know. he does. But but I think what he'll do is he'll try and tie everything to a reason, and in that way try and. So what was the reason behind him becoming an international assassin? Well, I mean, like you said, the the thing is know yourself, right? And adorn thyself, yeah. whatever. But then you open the wardrobe, and it just is. I mean, there was the cop outfit was the mm-hmm. only one that I was expecting it him to, to open up into different personalities of his outfits that that match different personalities of his. Mm-hmm. Instead, we get a priest's wardrobe, mm-hmm. uh, a, an international assassin's mm-hmm. wardrobe, a cop outfit, which I'm assuming is his. Mm-hmm. And I don't even remember what the other one was. Right. Oh, a guilty remnant outfit. Yeah. Well, all of that is in his head right now. I mean, he is somebody who I think I think we can say has some sort of crisis of faith. We've seen him in a in a church setting, you know, before. Um, Kevin, yeah, not not participating, mm-hmm. but being in. In those settings, just being in arbitrarily being in a arbitrarily church. <laughs> being being in in a, in a church, uh-huh. but, but I think I I think that he anyway I I can't I can't support that off my memory, but let's just say that he comes from a Catholic background, and let's say he was a cop, and his wife ex wife was in the guilty remnant was in the guilty remnant, and he was a hitman at one point. <laughs> no, no, but I mean that could have been like a boyhood dream, whatever of him. Like, oh, I always wanted to be like thought it'd be cool to be an international assassin, which is why I went to the police force because mm-hmm. you can assassinate people in the police force. Um, but, <laughs> but uh, you know, like all of that, you can tie to his to who Kevin is, to maybe what he's thought previously, or what kind of makes him up. I think you can very easily make those ties, if not in the show that Damon Lindelof in an interview could say that and people would be like, oh, yeah, OK, that makes sense. But that's my thing is it makes too much sense. It it It's too much kind of like these are some of the constructs of Kevin's mind and some of the things that he's mm-hmm. secretly wrestling with. Right. So why there's that's why there's a religious outfit in this outfit and that outfit. But I mean, it see first of all, it just seems like a silly decision to me. Yeah. But secondly, when I have I have two problems with them. My first problem is that is just the the murkiness of the decision to begin with. Because when I saw the suit hanging in the closet, I had no idea what that suit was for. Yeah. And I'm fairly certain Kevin had no idea <laughs> right. what that suit was for. He just didn't want to put on the guilty remnant outfit. He didn't want to put on his police <laughs> w- uh, uniform and he didn't want to put on like Pope robes. <laughs> right. right. So he just put on a nice suit and then it turns out, Oh, this suit makes me in a hitman. Like what? So something tells me if he put on the priest robe, someone would still just try to come and assassinate him. That it would have probably been the same storyline. Right. He would have just been wearing a priest's right. robe. And my other problem with it is, is that I don't think, and it's basically the same problem, but I don't think after reading that inscription, Kevin would then think, well, what I really am 
is an international assassin. Right? Yeah. Like, that makes no sense. So it just ends up feeling like a silly, it just, to me, ends up feeling like another one of those we're twisting it again, mm. right? Yeah, it's it's not. It's here's not just, something else to make you say this is weird. <laughs> no, I I honestly probably would have welcomed that a little more if they if if it was like, wait, is he hearing music? Is he looking in a radiator? Is there a woman with a moon face in the radiator right now? That mm. to me would have felt maybe a little more appropriate because. It really pushes heavy into the Greek mythology of of it, where you have the water, but then you also have the well, right? That kind of connects the two realms. And you have his mm-hmm. father, right? Like speaking into this kind of like spirit realm mm-hmm. uh, from do, doing some sort of ritual in a hotel room. In Australia. In Australia, mm-hmm. oh yeah, wink, wink. Mm-hmm. Um, that I I would have rather they maybe went more esoteric or abstract with it. Um, and so I and so I did I did want that. Now, judging the episode that we got, mm-hmm. okay. So getting over my feeling of like, ooh, I probably would have liked a Lynchian episode, something that was truly kind of representative of our subconscious and something that is truly kind of weird and dark. Mm-hmm. Um, what we got, I thought, was a was an entertaining hour of television. It's not great, and people, again, are falling over themselves to be like, divisive love it hate it it's audacious mm-hmm. i felt like saying no it was somebody who decided to take a chance and they took a very obvious chance and even though some of it may seem like did you think he was gonna be an international assassin i was like no but when i saw that he was gonna be an international assassin i thought uh, okay yeah i could see how they could get there mm-hmm. from from where we're at mm-hmm. um and so I didn't feel like it w- it wasn't as connected as you did, especially because all the things that make up that area are all things that are referencing back to the show. The bird, right, mm-hmm. is a reference back to what's actually happening in the world of the show. You can see where Kevin has constructed a lot of this in his mind. Sure, but it doesn't progress his character forward at all. It doesn't say anything about his character. I mean, he's he's um he's acting. He's again on rails, more or less, just moving forward to this end goal. He doesn't know how he's going to get there. He doesn't really know how he's getting there as he's getting there. I like that he's forced to push young Patty into a well. Sure. And drown Patty. Yeah. That you see how much he wants to be rid of this aspect of himself the lengths to which he's going to willing to go uh to accomplish that and he's not going to waver where i might have you know i don't know especially down at the bottom of the well when patty starts opening up to him if you know i could bring myself to execute it the way that he does so i mean to me that is kind of character revealing to to a point 
But I mean, what's he going to do? He's in purgatory, right? He's not in the real world. He's not killing real people. Like, I'm I'm sure that doesn't make the decision to push a little girl down the well any easier. But when you're in the bottom of a well and you know and you are now facing an adult sized patty, super annoying patty, <laughs> like I don't see that as a tough decision at all. Yeah. She's telling some boring ass story oh, about see, Jeopardy, right? Like Shut up. Oh, there you go. See, this is where your sociopathic nature starts to come out. <laughs> I'm just saying, that's the whole reason why he's there. Oh, yeah. Yeah, no, but I mean... In, in, I think, in a place that doesn't exist, so he can get rid of this thing. Right. You know what I mean? Like, I, I don't see that as a tough decision. But it's a, uh, I, I, think, I think it's hard. And I, I, I identified enough with this episode that... I was thinking about myself in those situations too and how difficult it would be to kind of execute because Virgil says, you know, don't listen to Patty. Don't let her talk. She's going to try and trick you, you know, he's like, just shoot her, just shoot her in the head. Mm-hmm. Um, so anyway, no, I, I, those things worked for me a lot better than they work for you. Mm-hmm. What do you, so try and, and resuscitate your care for this show for a brief flicker. Uh-huh. Um, let's get the paddles out. There's two episodes left. There's two episodes left. So number one, him coming back after also kind of being buried alive. I would say a little bit. Possibly filmed worse than the earthquakes in the beginning of the season. <laughs> I forgot about those earthquakes. Um, what I loved, it looked like he was like crawling out of like cinnamon or something. <laughs> um, what what I love is especially in the in the next week on or the next episode, Kevin just seems to be kind of like. All right, talk to me, Michael. I'm gonna be like, these people didn't do what they said they were going to do to you. You know, right. are you really like just gonna hang out here by the fire and listen to Michael? I think that you should be a little more pissed than you are and be demanding answers. But again, that kind of argument, like he's on rails, would be kind of like, oh, you buried me. Oh, was that supposed to? I thought you were mm-hmm. supposed to needle me. Right. Oh, I guess this is okay though. Yeah, let me sit by the fire. Um but I mean do, do you where do you see so you don't think they're going to wrap up anything still. You 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 just see the rest of the I kind of said last week I see this is going into a far more spiritual place. As we're wrapping up this episode, do at, at you this see point, that I don't even know what there is to wrap up. I, I, you know what I mean? Where, mm-hmm. where are we going to find out where the girls are? Yes. Sure. Yeah. Sure. Yeah, we will. Uh, what else is there to wrap up? I guess they've done such a good job of throwing so much at me. I don't even know what's there left to answer. Yeah. Well, you were the one back when you cared about this, who who was saying that you were fearful that they weren't going to get to answer half the questions that they were asking. But now it seems like 
and they have thrown a lot at us. They have answered a lot. Uh, but I think what they're going to do moving forward is kind of go more in this kind of spiritual realm. Do you think that he was, is it going to be revealed that he was dead? Or is the first line of the next episode going to be, um, oh man, if you didn't come back in the next 10 minutes, then you would have died. That that stuff gets you unconscious. No, he or, was or, dead. So, so you think it was a purely spiritual act of him coming back? Yes. Okay. Thank you. You can now. I don't think that will even be addressed. Well, by not addressing it, they are. Sure. Yeah. Uh, if they do address it, I think that'd be worse. You know, because what are you going to address? Mm-hmm. Uh, other than, you know, Michael being shocked that he's, he's back alive, which I think says it all that, mm-hmm. you know, he wasn't even thinking that it could happen. Yeah. I mean, <clears throat> we still have Tommy and Lori to get to. We still have the Murphys to get to, right? Uh, that broken window to fix, right? Uh, what's his name? Matt and Mary. We still have to get to. Oh man, Matt. So there's a lot of stuff, and there's only two episodes left, and it seems like you know we're uh they showed Tommy with Meg in mm-hmm. the previews. Yeah. I'm just not. I just don't give a care. Okay. <laughs> so I mean, that's that's kind of my my defense of it is for for what we got, we got an ambitious hour of television in the Lindelof universe. Mm-hmm. It felt very Damon Lindelofian, and again, the the connections just like Loss where people's names relate to characters and where they end up being in purgatory. Mm-hmm. Everything is pretty much kind of cut and dry at the underneath it all. There's a lot of weirdness on top of it, but some of that has connections. Some of it doesn't. I feel like that's, that, you know, Damon Lindelof is working in that same vein here. It, it's not a surprising episode. If you've, watched lost if you followed damon lindelof you know it i don't know why people are acting like this was a game changer because he's done it before mm. lost has done episodes like that before and and, and that's in bottle episodes of just kind of following these crazy characters on a crazy side tangent before mm-hmm. getting back to the real stuff which people were like oh that's amazing you know so i i felt like in the context of the show, it's not as unexpected as I think what people were were thinking. It was definitely on the table, especially with Damon Lindelof. What's the next show going to be after Kevin is quote unquote dead, which we called he he wasn't. Mm-hmm. It's to go into his depth. It's been done a million times before. Um, but where I wanted something like Jacob's Ladder, there's another reference I was thinking about too, where you can just go off the rails with this stuff, you mm-hmm. know, if we're in somebody's head or we're in the moment of death. And I just didn't, I just didn't see, I didn't see that. And I, I wish it would have pushed a little further. Um, but for what we got, I'll take it. And I'm still, I'm still invested. 
Mm-hmm. I don't know if I'd rewatch the episode though. That's that's interesting mm-hmm. to me. Like to me, I guess it's the sign of a truly successful episode of TV is if you rewatch it. Yeah. Would you rewatch any of this season? No. Okay. Um. <clears throat> yeah, I'd have to. I'd have to go back and listen to the podcast. But I know he hasn't answered a lot of things. But <laughs> I, I guess they. I don't know. I, I mean, that's what I've been, and that's. I think that's my been my issue with the show, is, is, is the structure right? At this point, eight episodes in, a lot of the stuff has been answered. The problem is. I shouldn't have these questions six, seven, eight episodes into the season. I mean, that's just part of, I guess, his Lindelof's style of storytelling, storytelling, where he wants one episode dedicated to one character. And so you're not getting payoffs for that. What arises in episode one until episodes five or six. Whereas I guess it's probably a more satisfying viewing experience to have those issues start in episode one and continue in small increments all the way until episode five instead of being introduced in episode one and then all of and then concluded in episode five. Mm-hmm. Right? You get half in episode one, you get the rest second half in episode five. That's kind of what I feel like. To me. It just is, I don't know. I just can't connect with the show that does that. Mm-hmm. It doesn't keep me interested for some reason. Um, and so that's what's bothered me. And again, just to go back to the, to the crazy argument, following a crazy person is not interesting because it's, it's not like, give me the Greek mythology or give me a metaphor. Right. Don't give me something in between. Right. I'm 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 with you on that. And what it feels like when you're mixing both of those is it just feels like nonsense. You know what I mean? Because to me you're just pulling references, you're you're making stuff up, but then some of the stuff is rooted in previous knowledge. It just is like uh, I don't know. So the the randomness of it doesn't intrigue me. It doesn't impress me. I just, you know, it just doesn't do anything for me. So this episode, sure, he's done it before. I wasn't surprised, but I will say I was expecting, and I said this on the podcast, I was expecting them to just uh, sort of move beyond all of this quote-unquote battle stuff that they were talking about in the previous episode, Mm -hmm. whenever it was, when Patty was asking him to battle or whatever she was saying. Oh, I want to do battle with you. Yeah. Yeah. I didn't think they'd actually show us the battle. So, yeah, I think that's uh, definitely commendable. Mm -hmm. Uh, It's certainly more interesting than just not showing it. But it doesn't that doesn't mean it's good or it doesn't, you know, mean I'm going to like it. Was he just killing aspects of his subconscious 
in this nether world. <laughs> so you mean with Gladys and Patty and mm-hmm. uh, the decoy and mm-hmm. Wayne, mm-hmm. who we haven't mentioned. I don't know. Who knows? Because I, I feel like if that's true, you missed a great opportunity <clears throat> to take care of some other stuff. It, it, yeah, he, sure. he could have found his like alcoholism. Uh, yeah, yeah. He could be like, "Excuse me, madam, <laughs> what's your name? Alice Cahal, <laughs> last name Cahal. Okay, uh-huh. I'm gonna I'm gonna go drown you." Uh-huh. Uh, he could have really cleaned up in there. Mm-hmm. Um, so I was a little disappointed that he just only focused on Patty. Right. Yeah, <clears throat> I I. I it, to, I don't know. I'm sure there are some interpretations, but to me, it just is. Look at this clever way we can bring in other aspects of the previous season or whatever. Right, and and to me, I guess, I guess the 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 final question for me is also, what's the intention of the metaphor? You know, it, if he's dead, then he's not in his mind. He's he's somewhere else. Mm-hmm. So what's this plane that he's doing battle on? Mm-hmm. And how is what he does there affecting who he is when right. he comes back? You know, I mean, what, what, what's the connection there? And, and do, does Damon Lindelof and, and Tom Parada, do they have a theory on what that place is? Probably. I mean, are we now in a world where Greek mythology then is is accurate that the river Leith apparently has been updated in the last few thousand years to mm-hmm. be a hotel. Like, you know what I mean? Mm-hmm. I, I don't, I guess I don't. And, and those questions I don't think will be answered at all. No. Yeah. 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 But, it, but, but it's like, be, be consistent in your imagery. And like you said, are we Greek mythologizing this thing? Are we mm-hmm. weird action moving this thing? Mm-hmm. And are we in a subconscious? Or are we in another state? Yeah. Those things I think I would like to be established. <clears throat> and I'll say this. You brought up the inside out comparison. The, the thing that's so great about inside out is it takes something that all of us have, right? in our brain memories that we know basically nothing about. And it does a really great job of explaining all of it in a way that makes sense. Even if it's completely unscientific and not true. Mm -hmm. Whereas if this is his subconscious, Mm -hmm. why is Patty running for president? Why does she have a decoy? Why is Gladys there? I mean, I guess that makes sense because they work together in the Guilty Remnant, but it still makes no sense why she's running for president and why she doesn't want to talk about certain things. And it makes even less sense that Holy Wayne is in that room with them, <laughs> who's never had any interaction with you know what I mean? It just it just felt like it just felt like a bunch of callbacks just for the sake of having callbacks. Yeah. I mean, and these are questions that we don't have enough information to answer. We just have to sit there and say, Mm -hmm. he, he wasn't, you know, what dreams may come is another idea where 
you know, that's a movie that I think it works well for me. And it is very uh, obvious in its connections on a lot of things, mm-hmm. but does it in an honest way, in a clear way. Is that the Robin Williams movie? Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. And and I just feel, and that's kind of what I was getting at with Inside Out, is that the, the connections there and the metaphors and the ideas are clear. Mm-hmm. They, and it's not scientific, but it's like, hey, here are your memories. Right. This is what it can look like. Hey, here's this. Here's your headquarters. There's your train of thought. Mm-hmm. In this, we're in this. So where are the boundaries? Where are we? And if we are somewhere tied to who he is, then either own those things. Be like, in this closet are all the identities that you secretly have thought of for yourself or mm-hmm. are representations of what you've dealt with. But don't do half and half and right. be like, oh, no. The, the principles of Leith are here because remember you took that Greek mythology course in high school? What? No, mm-hmm. he wouldn't be so so <laughs> defined based on what we've mm-hmm. seen of him on Greek mythology. It's never come up before. Mm-hmm. So is he now in another state then? So then what? This place does exist outside of him? So he's coming back now with knowledge of of another place. We've just solved the departure then. You know what I mean? Like, <laughs> you know, the spiritual realm exists. Oh, and Mary's and there it. for some reason. So I guess that's saying that Mary is, I don't know what it's saying, because Kevin, everyone else that's there is dead. Right. Like, I, dead meat dead. Right. Whereas Mary is, you know, she's not dead meat. She's mm-hmm. a vegetable. but A she's pregnant vegetable. Very true, but she's in the purgatory. I want... I can't wait for Kevin to just slip back into his same old habits and things mm-hmm. after experiencing this and be frustrated by the same. <laughs> like this is the type of thing that you come back from and you right. go, I am a changed person. Right. So I guess that's something interesting to talk, to wrap the show up with after this episode, Kevin has to be a completely changed character. Like yeah. he has to be completely transformed and different from what he was right. for the first two seasons of the show. So that actually does have me interested to watch next week's episode just to see how that's handled. Right. Um, Th- this is what makes people put on robes and go walk out in the desert or start a religion where you dance mm-hmm. in airports. Mm-hmm. Like this is... This is that kind of mind-altering, life-altering happening. But I can't wait for him to get back and just be smoking and drinking mm-hmm. and miserable. No patty, but, you know, you just can't get it together still. And it's uh-huh. like, you know you went to a completely right. different place and, and got insight you went into... went to the netherworld and you, killed multiple people and pushed a <laughs> child down a well for this. Uh, they they could do a thing. I guess I wouldn't be surprised if they come back and he doesn't remember it. Patty's gone now, but he can't. He's like, I, I don't remember. It's just like a dream. Yeah. A yeah, dream maybe. upon waking. Yeah, that's true. Maybe. All right. Well, that's the show. Uh, my name is Justin Blizzard. You can follow me on Twitter. I'm at Blizzard with nine Z's. I'm Keith Krepko. I'm at Things Come Right. Uh, for any more information, you can t- go to our show notes or you can visit eipodcast.com. 
we got another very nice positive review uh, from a user with the handle not left-handed either. That's right. I believe that's right. Not left-handed either. I don't have it in front of me. Um, so thank you for that. Uh, happy Thanksgiving if you're listening. And uh, we will see you next week.